with that, why don't we go ahead and pivot towards the history of the band? Uh, take me through how you guys evolved from the Outlaws to the Henry Paul band and then eventually settling on Blackhawk there in the early 90s. Well, and, and they were three specifically different musical groups. But a lot of the, the support people around those bands and, and partners in, in those bands sort of were always present on the landscape of musical realm in which I exist. The Outlaws was a, was a club, was a bar band from Tampa that had significantly talented people in it that were writing really exceptional music and going out and putting on a blistering performance. And we were signed to Arista by Clive when he started the label. And, uh, and that kind of blew us up and got us out in the realm of rock stardom. And then when I left the band in the late 70s and started my own group and signed with Atlantic, I learned, you know, the responsibility of being the sole band leader and uh, decision maker on a, a little bit of a less democratic basis. And, and it got my name out there uh, as a member of the Outlaws and as a, as a uh, you know, a unique personality into myself. Knowing what I knew then, at one point in the late 80s, when it became clear the Outlaws and Southern Rock and everything was struggling and out of vogue and, you know, had gone through the cycle of popularity that it enjoyed, you know, me being the country sort of influence in those bands and understanding what I did about the record business going to Nashville for me was a declaration of my intent. And once I got there and I started writing with different people, in this case, Van Stevenson, and people like Dubois heard my demos and really liked them and wanted to do something with me, he knew that I was a pro. I mean, and, and I was this, you know, from my age, a very young and energetic guy with a bunch of hair and a bunch of ambition and, and work ethic. And he, he knew that I was, you know, that I had a unique sounding voice and that I had a long list of accomplishments to back up my intentions. And he signed me to the record label with Dave and Van. And, and it just happened out of the three of us committing to one another and Tim committing to us as a group and liking what he heard and writing great songs. We weren't writing, you know, we, everything we were writing was, was really in the realm. And, uh, and we sang great together. Van's voice, especially with mine was magical. And of course they had this very smooth, honey, sort of coding up, up on the bottom on the low harmony. And so we just had, you know, again, it was the luck of the, of the being in the right place at the right time with the right racket. And we, we got a, we got a deal and, and we cut songs that Tim thought were hits and we loved his songs just about right. I mean, come on, how many, how many times do you get a, a song like that to cut and release to country radio? Yeah, that's actually my favorite song of yours, by the way. It's just about right. It's a really good yeah, song. I mean, it's Jeff Black wrote that, and we heard that song, and we we, we we arranged it a little differently than his. His was quite a long lyrical 
sort of march down this winding path of of metaphors. But I mean, we made it more more of a three and a half, four minute song. But still, for country radio to get just about right, sure can smell the rain every once in a while. Goodbye says it all. It's a work of art as a song. Yep. Every word in that song is just brilliant. And so if that's your body of work, out of the box, you're in pretty good shape. I'm not strong enough to say no. Big guitar, almost a memory now. You know, it it was just consistently good. And, and, and we thoroughly enjoyed the recognition and the acceptance. I think the the common denominator there in all those songs is the really good writing. You talked about, you know, you and, and Dave and, and Van writing songs. You guys actually wrote some songs for Restless Heart, didn't you? Or Dave and Van did, at least? Yeah, Dave and Van had a writing partnership, actually, with Tim Dubois, who produced Restless Heart, who signed us to Arista Records. So you kind of get the idea that it's, a, it's kind of an inside job. I mean, it, and, it, and it really is. It's not just happenstance. I mean, Van and Dave were on Tim's radar as co-writers for Restless Heart. And uh, and so Tim was abundantly aware of those two guys as writers. And he was very aware of my sort of charismatic personality out at night in Nashville, wearing a rebel jacket and tight pants and long curly hair and good songs and a cool voice and the whole thing just sort of you know to Tim I think smacked of success and so the pairing was his suggestion for us to be a group was was not lost on us took full advantage of it I'm curious to know which songs they wrote for Restless Art do you remember well I know a number of them uh, Big Dreams in a Small Town Okay, that's a big one. Uh, Bluest Eyes in Texas. Oh, I didn't realize that. That's like their biggest hit. <laughs> that's, that is without doubt the biggest. Yeah. Uh, Dave co-wrote Long Lost Friend with Larry and another friend, a high school friend of mine, Steve Bogart. And then uh, the early records, Heartbreak Kid, the title cut that they got their name from, Restless Heart. Those were collaborations with Dave and Van. And then uh, those guys were writing for a publishing company for Warner Chapel when I met them. And this was going back to like 1987, 88. I met Van and Dave, but I wrote with Van. And I also wrote with Monty Powell, who was inside this small circle of creative characters that I ran with. And he actually went on to have huge success with Keith Urban and uh, did very well as a writer and is a very smart and talented and gifted guy. But, you know, living in Tampa and sort of riding the horse I was on to the very end of the road and not having anywhere to jump off and nothing to do in Tampa because it wasn't a musical destination. Nashville was a was a was a very obvious choice for me from the standpoint of stepping off into that world and uh, and Dan and Dave and their songwriting talent as a, as two members of the Blackhawk Trio it was completely made sense and it was a complete concept in its origin and so 
the success that we had was really exciting and never taken for granted and unexpected, but we knew what we were doing going in, and we did a good job. Once again, we're talking to the lead singer of one of my favorite bands, Blackhawk. Henry Paul was with us tonight. And, Henry, I want you to tell me who from the 90s period, especially, that you did enjoy listening to and, uh, you know, still like hearing from to this day. Alison Krauss comes to mind. Her body of work is flawless. Uh, she didn't get a lot of airplay from uh, country radio, but screw it. She didn't need it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Restless Heart, who I mentioned, I'm a huge fan of their records. To me, they really set the the template for Blackhawk to have success and in, in, in the way that they went about the, uh, you know, having their career. And they, like Blackhawk, did not land in this giant you know, arena of overwhelming success. They were more of an eclectic, acquired sort of taste musically, whereas Alabama was giant in its success but if you look at the body of work between restless heart and alabama i think you'll quickly see the difference how so what do you mean by that you know alabama was very much a country lifestyle centered bunch of kids from the rural part of this world that were genuine in their in their musical personality but just significantly different than restless heart let me think who else you know i guess keith urban really lit me up he had a band called The Ranch. It was kind of an instrumental group and came out and opened shows for us. And I'd see him around town. When his first records, especially the ones he collaborated with Monty Powell on, those early records really gave country music, I think, a, a really a credible musical image, as well as Vince Gill. Vince Gill is an incredible musical personality that I think gave country music a real solid sort of... Uh, uh, personality, defined personality. Uh, Brooks and Dunn, Ronnie Dunn, for the love of God. I mean, you know, wrote and sang some of the great songs of our generation. Um, Hal Ketchum was another one of my favorites. All right, we get a Hal Ketchum reference. You know, Hal was kind of, his career was a little shorter lived, but man, his music was out of this world. So, there are others. I can't remember everything that I want to remember, but there were other uh, records that people made that I really loved. And then there were other things that came out that you could clearly look at and say, uh-uh, uh, I'm good. Yeah, that's the thing. I remember the 90s fondly, but not everything was great coming out of that time. There were some clunkers then, too. <laughs> exactly. And then there's, you know, it's kind of like growing up in the 60s on the radio. You know, Paul Revere and the Raiders had some great records. And then there were the Archies. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, there's always going to be, there's always going to be poopy caca. <laughs> and there's always going to be really great music. And the interesting thing about music is people that really love it, they don't have to have it rubbed in their face to find it. They go out and they find it. Uh, they go out and they find it and they, they buy it and they support it. And Alison Krauss is a great example of that people found her and supported her, even on a small label like Rounder, even without country radio support. She's as talented as anybody who has ever been on country radio. And yeah, she didn't get played a whole lot, but boy, could she sing and boy, could she harmonize her bluegrass stuff. Excellent. I'm glad you brought her up. Uh, my last thing for you, Henry, what's your favorite song that you recorded? We talked about mine. What's yours? 
I, I'm with you. I'm with you on this. I mean, really? uh, just about right is without doubt my favorite song that we recorded. There was a, one other song, and I hate to be mamby pamby here, but there was one other song on our first album that we perform live occasionally called Let Em Whirl that I just love. But as far as records that got on the radio and people recognized, trust me, uh, just about right really helps define Blackhawk's musical personality, and it's my favorite record that we ever had a radio hit on. Very cool. And we're about to wrap up the interview here, but just wanted to let you know that you have a huge following around these parts, especially when I give a shout out to my buddies in East Perry County, Missouri, because you guys have like a real cult following there. And I've always liked your music. So when I started hanging out with some of those guys, it was like something that we had in common. So I thought that was pretty cool. You have tons of fans around here. I sure appreciate you coming on. Is there anything else that uh, that you want to add or tell our listeners before we let you go? No, only that we're going to continue to really care for the uh, the Blackhawk musical brand and try and perpetuate it into the future and try and keep that musical uh, personality alive and well and continue to tour with it. So, uh, you know, if you see we're coming, come on out and see us. Still touring to this day. Hopefully everything can get back on track on the touring schedule here soon, and we'll see you out on the road then, Henry. All right. Thanks for your time, Glenn. Thank you again for being a part of the Honky Tonk Time Machine tonight. Henry Paul, he's the lead singer of Blackhawk on K103.